Thanks for joining us for Life Community Church. Hey, well, today we are starting a new series. And if we haven't met yet, if we haven't met yet online, my name is Dan. I'm one of the lead pastors here at Life Community Church. Um, we're starting a new series today. It's called New Life. And we're going to go, we're going to be going through the book of Galatians. Um, we, uh, we just did a topical series. Um, and now that we're done with that, we wanted to just do a book of the Bible. And so um, there's kind of a, there's a topical, there's a way you can preach. There's topical and there's expository. And some churches will tell you that like expository is the only way to preach. It's the best way to preach. And I hear them. It's great. Some other churches will say, oh, topical is the best because you can talk about, you know, what, whatever you want and whatever's going on during the day of that day. You can do that. Um, and that's awesome. I love that. So we try and hold the radical middle and switch back and forth. So this time we're going into an expository, which just means we're looking at scripture by scripture through a book of the Bible um, to see what it says. Um, so we're going through Galatians. And Galatians is this book about, um, of, it's kind of like stop being religious for religious sake. This is kind of Paul's message to his friends in Galatia. So we're going to go through that. We call it a book of the Bible, but really it's a letter, a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to his friends in Galatia. And I think it's important to kind of look at the background, see where this is coming from, so we can kind of get a sense of what Paul's talking about, where his readers are, who they are. And he met these friends of his in Galatia on a missionary journey. So Paul's not from there. He just went there. He told people about Jesus, about the good news, about the gospel, and they uh, started believing that, and he planted several churches. We don't exactly know how many, but we see that this letter is to multiple churches, not just one. So someone would take this letter from Paul. Um, he'd either pay someone to take it there, or probably more likely, um, one of his friends would take it there for him and read it to these churches. Everybody would gather, just like we are today, um, to hear this letter. Um, I, I wonder what that's like if they were like, oh, Paul sent us a letter, everybody, everybody, after work, get down, get down to this person's house. We're all going to read it together, you know? Um, so this is what that, that letter is. He um, met these people on a missionary journey in about the year 47 AD. So maybe about 15-ish years after Jesus' death is when he wrote this, uh, is when he met these people. And then about a year later is when he wrote this letter. And um, Galatia, it was a region associated with modern Turkey, so somewhere in modern Turkey, but we don't know exactly where because it was kind of like Galatia is kind of like saying the Midwest. It doesn't have a specific state or a specific city. Um, there's another letter in the Bible uh, to the Ephesians and Ephesus. That's a city. Um, Galatia's not a city. It's more like a region. So we don't know exactly who these people were, um, but we know the region they're from. Um, and so I think it's interesting how all of this went down. You know, Paul didn't spend more than probably a couple months with these people, if not just weeks. Um, he he told them the gospel. He found leaders in, the, in this community, and they started leading these churches. And then Paul went on. After that, he left. And so imagine this. Can you imagine like a pastor or a missionary going over to a foreign country where they've never heard of Jesus, 
And he tells them all about Jesus. They're all super excited about Jesus. And like, yeah, this is so exciting. And then that person just leaves and goes on to the next thing. That's kind of interesting, right? Yet that's what Paul's doing. He has trust that the Holy Spirit is going to guide them, that the leaders that he's put in place will also guide them. Um, and so that's what we have here. Uh, we're not exactly sure where is where Paul is writing the letter from, but we do know that he's far enough that he can't go there to talk to them. Um, because if he could have, he 100% would have. Because he is furious. He's upset. He's mad. Uh, partially at the Galatian people themselves, but more at these false teachers that have come in and started spreading these uh, complete lies about what the gospel is. And so we're just going to read Galatians 1, 1 through 16. So if you've got a Bible, you can turn there with me. If you've got a device or a phone, um, you can look up Galatians 1. I'm going to be reading from the NLT, the New Living Translation. Whatever version you prefer is fine too. Um, so here it is. This is uh, 1, 1 through 16 in Galatians. This letter is from Paul, an apostle. I was not appointed by a group of people or human or any human authority, but by Jesus Christ himself and by God the Father, who raised Jesus from the dead. All the brothers and sisters here join me in sending this letter to the churches of Galatia. May God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Jesus gave his life for our sins just as God our Father planned in order to rescue us from the evil world in which we live. All glory to God forever and ever. Amen. I am shocked that you are turning away so soon from God who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You're following a different way that pretends to be the good news, but is not the good news at all. You're being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. Let God's curse fall on anyone, including us or even an angel from heaven who preaches a different kind of good news than the one we preach to you. I say it again, as we have said before, if anyone preaches any other good news than the one you welcomed, let that person be cursed. Obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. Dear brothers and sisters, I want you to understand that the gospel message I preach is not based on mere human reasoning. I received this message from no human source, and no one taught me. Instead, I received it by direct revelation from Jesus Christ. You know what I was like when I followed the Jewish religion, how I violently persecuted God's church. I did my best to destroy it. I was far ahead of my fellow Jews in zeal, for the traditions of my ancestors. But even before I was born, God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace. Then it pleased him to reveal his son to me so that I would proclaim the good news about Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. So you can see here, just in this first part, this letter is like coming off on white heat. Like he's, he's ready to go. He's a little bit upset. Um, if we read further, there's, there's more things you'll see that, where you can see that he's just like passionately concerned and upset about these lies that have come into the church. You see, he says that I'm shocked that you're turning away so soon from God. He says you're being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth. And then he gets 
he, he gets into this cursing on people. He's like, curse anyone, including myself, if I preach to you a different gospel than the one you received when I first came. And then I like this line. He's just like, obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of anyone. I'm serving God, and that's all I care about. Now, imagine this with me. Imagine it's 1960s America, and you are an architect, and you have been tasked with designing a community center in segregated Mississippi. You take on this project with excitement, as it's an, it's an opportunity to bring healing to the community. It's an opportunity to restore some things that are uh, severely broken. This is a place where people can come together, and you want to do it in a new, right way. You're leaving racism behind, and this community center is an opportunity for people to be healed, for people to care for each other and, and put race aside. So you pick out the perfect location where everybody's going to use it. You design this building in such a way where people are uh, drawn to come together. So you've got like only one community space inside the room, um, and you design this place where people are going to want to use it together. And so you call it the Unity Center. You finish your design, you put people in charge uh, to carry out this design, and then you move on to your next project. But then, through the grapevine, you find out that things are starting to change in your blueprints. Someone comes back and tells you, like, oh, yeah, the project is going great. We changed a few things. Um, but it, it's all good. Don't worry about it. And so you look, you get out the blueprints that they've given you, the updated ones, and you see that now they've got two separate community rooms that kind of divide the center. You see that they've got two separate entrances for people to go in. You see that they're putting two separate sets of water fountains in, where you only had one, and two separate sets of restrooms to divide people even further. And instead of calling it the Unity Center, they've changed the name to the Separate But Equal Center. You would be furious right? I mean, this is taking the complete vision that you had and, and completely changing it to something else. You want your vision of moving forward as a community and creating a space for people to heal and come together. It's just being reverted back to the old ways. And that idea, this idea of reverting back to the old ways, that's what's happening here with Paul. Because Paul has given them some good news. And, and this is the good news that Paul preached to them. That Jesus has conquered sin and death with and for them. And because of that, they get to experience life with the living God. They get to experience life with the living God. That's what Jesus meant uh, when, when we read the Gospels, when he proclaimed over and over again that the kingdom of God is here. Now, what the people of that time thought Jesus meant the kingdom of God is here. Even some of his disciples thought this, that Jesus was going to bring a physical kingdom. He came to bring an earthly kingdom, that Jesus himself, through probably means of force, would overthrow their oppressors, would overthrow the Roman government. And then he was going to rule over the whole world. And then, um, then Jerusalem and Israel would be a world power instead of the Romans. But Jesus, his heart is for the whole world. And so he had a fuller, more complete vision of what this might look like. He had a plan that would bring true healing and true perfect freedom to not just Israel, but the whole world. 
And so Jesus demonstrates his kingdom day after day. And this is the same kingdom that you and I have access to, to today. He, he heals not only physically, but also emotionally and spiritual. He brings spiritual healing to people. He, he brings the lowest people of society into a place of prominence and equality. We see this as he welcomes women to learn from him. This was something completely foreign at that time that a woman would sit at the feet of a rabbi and learn in such a way that some of the women around him did. That was crazy. And he welcomed that. He encouraged that. We saw children coming to him. They were seen as nothing more than, than property, the little ones, and maybe a burden to people. Um, and so we see this in, in one of the Gospels where the disciples are like, oh, uh, go away, kids. Jesus is too busy, right? And Jesus says, no, no, no. Let them come to me. Uh, we see this with diseased people. Um, diseased people, they were often seen that they, especially in the Jewish community, that they deserved what they got. That they sinned or their parents sinned, and so they deserved to, be, uh, to have leprosy or to be blind. In fact, we see this one time where um, some religious leaders asked Jesus, hey, who sinned, Jesus, uh, this blind man or his parents that he's blind? And Jesus said, he just kind of brushed it off and then healed the guy. Um, we see this um, where Jesus takes hated members of society, like a tax collector. They were seen as traitors, and he brings them into his, his own circle and says that he loves them, he hangs out with them and teaches them. Uh, we see this with Samaritans. Samaritans were seen as half-breeds. Like, they weren't real Jews to the Jewish people living in Israel. They were seen as half-breeds, as people that didn't quite understand what the scriptures really said. They worshipped in the wrong spot. They believed the wrong things. And so they were hated. And Jesus puts them in a place of prominence where we now think of the good Samaritan as like one of the best guys in the Bible. But that was a foreign thing to them. We even see it in when Jesus heals these 10 guys of leprosy. The only guy that comes back and thanks Jesus is a Samaritan. And Jesus says, your faith has made you well. So he puts these people in a place of prominence. He's completely, he has a revolution happening. He brings soul-satisfying life to people. And that's available to us, this soul-satisfying life. Jesus says that he's come to bring life and to bring it to the fullest, to bring it abundantly, abundant life for us. In his first missionary journey to these Galatians, Paul is telling them and us that there's nothing that we can do to earn God's kingdom, to earn a place in his kingdom. He told them that it wasn't by works or effort that they received this gift of new life with God, of full life with God, but it's by the grace God has given them through faith in Jesus. If that message is new to you or it's, it sparks something in you that's like, oh man, what is that? I would love to talk to you more about that. And it, and it comes with just saying a yes prayer to Jesus. It says, Jesus, I say yes to you. I say yes to your kingdom. I want what's in your kingdom. I want the healing. I want the grace. I want the forgiveness that you bring in your kingdom. If you do, if you do want to pray that prayer, talk to me after church. Or if you're online, go to uh, lifemohammed.org slash yes. Let me know there. I would love to talk to you more about that. 
But we've got to remember that that's the, that's the foundation of this letter. Jesus, uh, Paul already had that message. Jesus has already reached these Galatians. And so now that's the bedrock, that's the foundation of where this message comes from. And so this letter is not written to people that don't yet know Jesus, but it's written to people who've heard the gospel message and who have taken it to heart and made it the foundation of their life. But here's the problem. Outsiders have come into the church. Uh, Maybe they're people in the community or different missionaries that have gone there. And they're now telling these Galatians that the gospel isn't enough. And it's not only that they have to have faith in Jesus, but they also have to follow all these Jewish customs. That's what this letter is about. That's why Paul is so mad, because these people have come in and said, hey, Jesus is cool, that's great, and you have to do these things. So you had to be circumcised, that was one thing. Um, You had to follow all their dietary laws, so you couldn't eat bacon anymore. Um, I think that's why Paul was really mad. Just kidding, (laughs) jokes. Um, There's that, and then there's like these cleansing rituals that they said you had to do. And so they were adding things to the gospel. They were saying that to be a child of God, you first had to become a child of Abraham. Once you were a child of Abraham and followed all the Jewish laws, then you could really be a child of God. So maybe now you can see why Paul is so irate, because they're taking the gospel message and they're adding to it, which makes it really no gospel at all. When you add all these religious acts to things, it's not the gospel anymore. We're told many different ways, in many different places in the Bible, that because, because of grace through faith, we are sons and daughters in Christ, not because of some religious acts that we do. But these false teachers, they're saying that you have to earn, through religious acts, your place as a child of God. But by adding to the gospel, they're, they're really taking away from it. It's a fake gospel. It's fake news. This is fake news that these people are are giving to the Galatians. And so Paul writes in Galatians 1, 6 through 7, he says, this is a pretend gospel. It's no gospel at all. And this is an age-old problem. Maybe this was the first case of it. Maybe this was the first instance of it. But it has kept on going. Now, we don't debate circumcision or eating bacon anymore. We've got other stuff, which I'll get to in a minute. But the good news of the kingdom of God come to earth, the gospel plus anything is no gospel at all. The good news, the gospel, the kingdom of God come to earth to set things right, to renew all things. It's not a new law. It's not a new moral code. It's not a new religion. It's an announcement of a new time, a new era, a new age of the kingdom of God. It's the end of an old order. It's the end of, as Paul calls it in the first part of this uh, chapter, it's, it's the end of an evil age, and it's the beginning of all things being made new, things being redeemed, things being restored. So I want to give you two phrases that will help you stay committed to this simple gospel. They'll help you practice the kingdom-only centered life. So two phrases. The first is that secondary things are not the main thing. Secondary things are not the main thing. Secondary things to Paul were things like circumcision or following um, these dietary rules. Those were secondary things. The primary things 
for him. Well, actually, Jesus says right here, uh, Matthew 6.33. Jesus says, seek total happiness above all else. Just kidding. He doesn't say that. That's not what he says. He's, uh, okay, maybe it's just, uh, make the well-being of your family your main priority. Nope, still no. Jesus doesn't say that. Uh, oh, here's, here's it. This is good. Uh, make the lives of unborn babies your main priority. Still no. That's not what he says. Oh, make social justice your main priority. Nope, not what he says. Those are all secondary things. Here's what Jesus says. For reals this time, I won't trick you. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Make the kingdom of God your main priority. That's our main priority, the kingdom of God. There's governments, there's authorities, there's churches, there's pastors that are making secondary things the main thing. But Jesus himself says, focus on the kingdom. Make that your priority and everything else will fall in line. Uh, The next phrase, so that's uh, secondary things are not the main thing. Don't let secondary things in your life, secondary beliefs, become as important as the gospel or uh, trick you into thinking that they are the gospel. The next phrase is to help us, the next phrase to help us practice the kingdom-centered life is a continuation of that thought. And it's that the gospel plus anything is no gospel at all. The gospel plus anything is no gospel at all. I think there's two levels to this. There's uh, a global level and there's a personal level with this. On the global level, um, the things that you'll see in the news, the things um, that seem like uh, they, that everyone's talking about, um, they're, they're trying to add these things to the gospel. For the Galatians, it was um, these Jewish customs. That was their thing. For us, I think a more modern example um, might be something like politics. So I've heard it said, and I'm sure you have too, that to be a good Christian, you have to be a Republican. Who's heard that? Raise your hand. And to be a good Christian, you have to be a Democrat. I've heard that too. I've heard both of them. Because if you're a Republican, then you believe in this, this, and this, and that's in the Bible, and so you should follow those things. And I've heard that if you want to be a good Christian, you've got to be a Democrat because they do this, this, and this. And that's in the Bible, and Jesus does those things. And so you've got to be that. But that's not at all what Paul is saying here. Saying you have to do something or be something in addition to having faith in Jesus is exactly what Paul is so upset about here in Galatians. When we say that you have to have faith in Jesus plus something else, it's no gospel at all. There's a second level to this. There's a a personal scale, I think, to this. Where we believe internally that We have to be something or do something in our own lives to be valued by God or um, to be be close to God. But that's a pretend gospel like Paul is talking about in verse 6. That's a pretend gospel when we say, um, I have faith in Jesus, um, plus I don't do this or I do do this in my own life. I, I raise my hands during worship. One time I had somebody tell me, that because I didn't raise my hands uh, in worship, 
that I was not experiencing the full kingdom of God in my life. And that is the gospel plus. It's just not true. I mean, can I raise my hands? Yes. Um, can I experience God with my hands down or my hands up? Yes. It doesn't matter. That's the gospel plus. I wonder, is there something in your life, maybe it's being a good parent. Um, maybe it's going to church X amount of times, uh, I almost said a week, um, <laughs> a month, you know, to, that makes you feel closer to God. Or maybe, you know, it's something like uh, reading the Bible. You have the standard to read the Bible so many times a week, and if you don't, you feel this distance between you and God. I want to tell you that that's a lie. Reading the Bible is an awesome thing. Praying is an awesome thing, and you should 100% do it. But there have been millions of Christians through the centuries that never had access to a Bible and that lived a fruitful kingdom-centered life. And when we say, I have to do this thing or not do this thing to be close to Jesus, we're putting a barrier there when we've already been called sons and daughters of the living king. So are there things we should do and not do as Christians? Yes. But they are secondary things. They are not the gospel plus. It's the gospel and the gospel alone that makes us close to Jesus because he is our good father. So I wonder what... What are you adding personally to the gospel that puts distance, perceived distance, not real distance, between you and God? The gospel plus anything is no gospel at all. Uh, I think this is a good time to talk about uh, one of the models of our church, uh, bound set versus a centered set model. And um, each church falls into one of these two categories a bound set church or a centered set church. And the bound set church is like, um, is like the gospel plus church. You have to do these things um, to be accepted by the church or, or by God. And let me first say, before it sounds like I start to bash um, bound set churches, I'm not. I'm, I'm ecumenical, I'll, which is a fancy way to say I really believe in God's working in each church. I think each church... Um, is doing awesome stuff and that the Holy Spirit is working through those churches. And so I'm for all churches. I've been a part of many churches all over the spectrum. Um, and I think God is doing good stuff. I just believe and I, that there's a better way to do things through a centered set church. So let me explain bound set. So bound set is where we create a boundary or a theological border, maybe a doctrinal fence, and we separate those who are on the outside from the inside. So you have to believe a certain thing. You have to do a certain thing to be accepted into this church. You have to believe something or do something or not do something to be accepted, loved, and welcomed in this church. So this might be as simple as something, you know, it used to be like drinking. If you drank, you couldn't be accepted totally by a church. You had to change that behavior and then you were welcomed to the inside of the church. Um, we talked about politics already. You've seen churches that are 100% Republicans and 100% Democrats. I would say that a 100% one-party church would probably be a bound-set church because they've, they've kept their walls up. And they've said, you know, anybody that doesn't believe like we do, they're on the outside of our fence. And eventually they leave because they're not accepted. Um... It could be something spiritual, something good, like speaking in tongues. There are churches that say, 
You can't experience the kingdom of God unless you speak in tongues. You don't have the full kingdom of God unless you speak in tongues. And so that's a fence, that's a boundary that they've put up to say, all right, you have to speak in tongues and you can be on the inside. You can come to church, of course, and they'll be friendly. But once you get to know the church, you'll find out that there's these certain rules, these, these fences that go up that determine who can belong. Now here's the opposite of it. A, a centered set church is where Jesus is at the center and drawing us into the center. There's no boundaries, there's no fence, there's no walls, there's no dividing line between us and them. There's no rules or guidelines to determine who's in and who's out. Everyone is loved, everyone is accepted, everyone belongs no matter what. Just by showing up, they belong. And our hope is that they are drawn towards the center. Because you might say, you might say okay, well this is just a mass of people just milling around. But the difference between that and, and a centered set church is that Jesus has, is at our center, compelling us towards himself. And as we're walking in our journey towards Jesus, um, we rely on the Holy Spirit to bring us closer to him. And you can see there's people all over the spectrum. There's people going towards Jesus. There's people walking away from Jesus. There's that lady who's way off there in the corner, way far away from Jesus, but she's taken a step towards Jesus. And so we celebrate that. No matter where her life is, I think of Jesus in, uh, ministering to prostitutes. No matter where their life is, Jesus welcomes them and accepts them because they're taking a step towards himself, and we want to do that same thing. We don't want to add to the gospel and say, it's, it's yes, start believing in Jesus, that's awesome, and you have to do these certain things. Everyone is accepted. Everyone belongs at this church. And we can do this because everybody recognizes that we all have our times where we turn our backs. You can um, see the person who's relatively closer to Jesus in the center, but has turned away from Jesus. And we want to walk towards that person and say, hey, let me pray for you. What's happening? And we want to still be in relationship with them, not kick them out, not put a fence up and say, change or you're not welcomed back. So we've all been there. We've all been on these ways towards Jesus and away from Jesus, and we want to live life as a community and, and not judge each other when something goes wrong or uh, we have doubts. Um, the pull towards the center is never so strong that it can't be resisted. And so we have this option to go towards Jesus or away from him. And no matter how far someone goes away from the center, away from Jesus, they still belong. So that's the kind of church that we want to be. A centered set church where we want the love of Christ to draw people in. And there's an intrinsic motivation from the Holy Spirit rather than an external one from the church that motivates Christ-like behavior. And this is the good news of the kingdom of God. The gospel plus nothing else. There's nothing you have to start doing or stop doing to be called a son or daughter of the living God. Because that comes to you not by our own works, as we found out here in Galatians, but it's through faith. And we'll go on to study Galatians and what it says about not having to work for things, not having to work for the approval of God, but just to live in it as his son and daughter. Let's pray. Jesus, thanks that we get to be in your kingdom.
That there's nothing that we have to work for. There's nothing that we have to add on. There's no religious practice that we have to do to be called your son and daughter. It's just by faith in you alone. There's no works involved. And so we thank you for that. We praise you that you set it up that way. Um, We are so undeserving of your love, yet you love us no matter what, no matter where we are. So Jesus, I pray that you would show us in our own lives where we're adding to the gospel, where we're adding to your good news, believing lies, believing things that aren't the gospel. I pray that um, you would cut those things off. Show us what those things are. We just want to be in your kingdom and rest as your children, as your children, as your sons and daughters. Amen. At Life Community Church, we want you to experience the powerful, life-changing love of God. To learn more, go to lifemohammed.org. lifemohammed.org.